0: This is Wendy Y. Bailey, known as your income acceleration mentor at Business Beyond Limits. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey O'Byrne.
1: And now, here is your host, Stacy O'Byrne.
2: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and today I'm speaking with a good friend of mine, Wendy Y. Bailey. Wendy is called a force of nature and a trendsetter in the coaching industry because of her fearless approach to innovation. Wendy Y. Bailey has been supporting entrepreneur leaders, coaches, speakers, trainers, and consultants for 18 years. She is a two-time best-selling author and sought-after speaker for her fierce and dynamic dedication to inspiring individuals and organizations to create extraordinary results affectionately called Wendy Y by her clients because associates and colleagues, she is an internationally known thought leader and has made a global impact in coaching as an innovative CEO and mentor coach, serving across the US and in countries like Sweden and Italy. I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. I'm so excited to hear today's conversation, and really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you have wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your success to the next level, If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there to have a personal phone call with me to see if we're a great fit for each other. Okay, Wendy, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, and it's Wendy Wide. I want to make sure you get that wendy wendy why yeah. Wendy why welcome to the show. Thank you Thank- so much for having me, Stacy. yeah, thanks so much for being here so so I'm curious, whatever got you into coaching? well, um I was in
0: corporate America, working as a senior manager, a C-level manager, managing a small call center and um, a group of high-level technical project managers. Mm -hmm. And I was voted off the island, as I like to say. When I was voted off the island, it was like a turbulent time for the economy. And I decided, well, you know, I'm really highly skilled. I'm experienced. I'm educated. I can go and find something else because I was at that six-figure range. Mm -hmm salary wise. And what I realized after about two months, three months was I didn't want to go back into that environment. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like the the lone black female senior manager in my division mm-hmm. before you know I was voted off. And I was like, you know what? I just really don't want to go back into that battering and bruising white male dominated environment every single day. That left me kind of saying, well, what do I do now then? You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've done this and this is what I know. So I did, did an inventory of what I was good at, what I had done, what I wanted to do, but had never had the time to do. And just for the sake of time, all roads led to coaching. Mm-hmm. And so I went out and got formal coach training and hung my shingle. And I've been here ever since. 18.5 years later.
2: <laughs> it sounds like 9-11 redefined your career. It totally did. Yeah.
0: I had I had actually gone to work as a contractor for the same company in a different division. Mm-hmm. And uh, the day that 9-11 happened, I was doing my initial drug screening and all of that kind of stuff. And when I got to the parking lot to actually go into work, 9-11 had just happened. Like the mm-hmm. plane had just hit the tower, mm-hmm. Right. And I was kind of like, I don't want to go back into this for sure. Like, I just, right. there's no way I want to do this. So yeah, 9-11 totally defined and redefined what was important to me at that point.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you and I have a lot of similarities. You know, we we had a conversation the other day, which is really what inspired me to invite you on the show. I too was redefined by 9-11. I was a high-powered corporate executive, traveled about 200,000 miles a year. Wow. I, was, I was the national sales and sales operations manager. I jokingly told people I got paid a dollar a mile plus commission. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> so on, uh, right after 9-11, uh, I was in the high-tech industry, and the high-tech industry kept tanking and tanking and tanking until finally on December 10th, uh, I got redefined. Unvoluntarily, uh, and reality yeah. is, it is the best thing that ever happened to me. I, I really realized very, very quickly that I was living to work instead of working to live. Yeah, and that's not that's not a high quality of life when you're no. in that space. Yeah. No, my my daughter turned one on September twenty eighth, two thousand one, so I had really missed just about her entire first year of life with all my traveling. And there's another thing we have in common, which is the other reason why uh, I got so inspired to invite you on the show. You know, I've been studying neurolinguistics programming for eh, a little over 25 years um, between neuroscience, uh, business psychology, and neurolinguistics programming. And when we got introduced uh, and you and I were talking, uh, you had shared with me that you're a neurolinguistics programming practitioner. That's and right. I'm, I'm really curious uh, to know, and, I, and I'm sure our listeners are too, what got you into NLP?
0: Well, at the time I found out, I mean, like I just did not know about it before 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. And when I discovered it, it was because a trainer had actually come into a group of a coaching organization that I was a part of at the time. Mm-hmm. And she did a presentation. And I want to say her her shtick about NLP was something about magic,
2: Mm -hmm. right?
0: It was a magical technology, a magical tool that you could use. And I was interested because of her presentation about this thing called magic, this NLP stuff. Mm -hmm. And I actually went to an open call she did and decided to enroll in it. She did an accelerated program. And what I discovered was that there were things that I could do for myself and for my clients that would expedite their learning, Mm -hmm. that would expedite their growth. Mm -hmm. And so I dug into it deeply and it deeply enriched my coaching and my ability to support my clients. And I started a whole nother organization around it after that. But I got to tell you that for me, NLP was like it took the scales off of my eyes, as people say, you know, Biblically, the scales fell from my eyes and I went, oh, I can do I can I can help I can show, you know, Mm -hmm. it was just amazing Mm -hmm. to be able to support people with the technology.
2: Yeah, I have to tell you, neurolinguistics programming for me has been life-changing in in a multitude of ways. When I was in corporate America is actually when I started learning it. And I started learning it for a multitude of reasons. Uh, The military had diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress disorder. And for me, I had gone on a journey of healing. I was looking for ways to heal myself because PTSD uh, can can be very difficult to live with. And, you know, the, the, the statistics- so It can be, just by, <laughs> by, by the name of it, by yeah. the
0: nature, it it definitely is, you know?
2: it It absolutely is. And the reason why I say it can be difficult to live with, because I believe living with it becomes a choice. When you know you have it, and even when you don't know you have it, because of course it's the don't knows that we don't know that ends up catching up with us. Yeah. Uh, when, when, when you know you have it or you don't know you have it, it, it's important for self-preservation for you to pursue shift, for you to pursue healing. And uh, I, I think that there, there comes a point, no matter how bad things are, it's still a choice to stay there or not. And one of the things that get drilled into soldiers' minds time and time and time again, is you're weak if you have PTSD, you're not. You're not weak if you have PTSD. It's very, very important for people to understand that. And for me, it was seeking, seeking the healing, seeking the, the, the journey. And when I tripped over NLP, and I mean, when I tripped over it, I tripped over it. I was in a sales seminar and I couldn't figure out why the speaker was evoking so much emotion in me. I'm just sitting there and they're talking about closing and they're talking about negotiating and I'm in the back of the room bawling my eyes out. Yeah. And at break, uh, the the actual trainer came up and started talking with me. And and he's like, I can honestly say I've never had that type of reaction in my sales class. And through our conversations, he had divulged that he uh, was a neurolinguistics programming technician. A technician or practitioner at mm-hmm. that time, they were called technicians. Yeah. And, and I, I was like, I have no clue what that is. So I started researching it. And that's kind of how I tripped over it in a sales training. Mm-hmm. And then uh, shifts started happening in me emotionally and mentally and, and my behavior started changing, my beliefs started changing. And then there were things I started realizing that I could apply externally. And sure. through the application externally, my business results started shifting. Mm-hmm. And for me, I learned to, to take what I learned internally and move it externally and get results. And the reality is results don't happen unless the internal work's done, period.
0: Without a doubt. My personal mantra is mindset is everything. It is. Same thing. You know, if you want to increase your fees, same thing, you know, mindset is everything. If you want to establish a relationship or partnership, personal or professional mindset is everything. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, totally agree with that.
2: So Wendy, why, what, what has made you successful through, through your life? I mean, we're, we're both women and we've both been in male dominated industries and now we're both business owners. So I'm really curious because I believe that that success leaves clues. And I'm really curious as to what ingredients, what DNA do you possess that has made success effortless for you?
0: I think there, there are three. One is the, the profound belief that mindset is everything. So mm-hmm. bulletproof mindset is the way I refer to it. And that means that no matter what's going on, I'm always going to try to make sure that I'm in that bulletproof mindset mode, right? The second one is um, dogged determination. I mean, a a level of commitment and dedication that no one else can match. Mm -hmm. I remember when uh, Kobe Bryant was killed in that helicopter crash and his daughter and, and, you know, those other people. One of the things that I, I kept hearing as a running theme throughout his life was and you know, they shared lots of video of him at the time was, "No one's going to outwork me." Like, I'm going to yeah. work harder than anybody else. And so for me, that dogged determination means even if I fall down, like flat on my face, I'm going to get myself back up. Resilience is the third one, by the way. but um, And I'll talk about that in a second. But I'm going to get myself back up. And I'm going to keep staying committed and dedicated. Mm-hmm. I recently, in July, launched my own podcast. And when I d- made the decision, let me just say it was through much resistance <laughs> that I made the decision to do a podcast because I kept telling myself, everybody's got a podcast. I don't want to do a podcast because everybody <laughs> has a podcast. And through that resistance, I discovered that just because everyone has one doesn't mean mine has to be the same. It doesn't right. have to look the same, sound the same. It's got to have Wendy Y style and no one can match that. And when I decided to do the podcast, I said to myself, you know, Wendy, why this is me talking to me, you know, Wendy, why that you can't do this and let it be a drop in the bucket. It's got to be something that you're fully and wholly committed to. And what does that look like for you? And I decided two years. So for two years, my, my commitment is to do my podcast that's what I call dogged determination. You, you get back up, you you know keep charging forward and stay constant and committed to your goals. And mm-hmm. then the third one, as I said before, is powerful resilience. Mm-hmm. In 18.5 years is what I like to say, I have fallen and failed several times.
2: Mm-hmm. And the
0: beauty of it is that even when I've fallen and I didn't think I could get up, I did get back up and I was able to restart, reset, rebrand, reinvent whatever it was to keep moving forward. So, I think you have to have all three of those things. Bulletproof mindset, dogged determination, and powerful
2: resilience. I love that. That's amazing, amazing advice. So, so so you you brought up setbacks and mm-hmm. and that dogged determination. I love that. That's such a Southern Southern yeah. comment. Yeah. So that dogged determination and the resilience, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic,
1: mm-hmm. actually
2: hoping that it's the latter part of the pa- pandemic. And, and trust me, I get that hope is not a strategy, right? right, right. Um, so, so these setbacks, a lot of people woke up one day, and their entire life changed. Now, for some, their income opportunity completely shut down. For others, uh, they they woke up one day and their employment was just closed. And then for some, they had to pivot. and And I say that word intentionally the way I do because the name of my company is Pivot Point Advantage, sure. and and I named it over twelve years ago. And pivot seems to be the new buzzword today, it is. right? Yeah, it <laughs> so. Is. So some had to pivot because their business was 100% offline. So being knocked down, what type of advice can you give to entrepreneurs to dig in and find that resilience so that they can bounce back?
0: Well, I think that it starts with what you believe about yourself. Mm, Um, How you think what you uh, know is true about who you are in the marketplace. And it, you know, it ends up being what you think about yourself outside of the marketplace, too. Mm -hmm. So what I say to those folks is really and truly invest in getting to know yourself and really recognizing all of your gifts and talents and your brilliance Mm -hmm. in the world. One of the exercises I do sometimes with clients who are in that, I just don't know if I can do anything space is I do what I call an, an I am exercise. Mm -hmm. And over time they have to, you know, intentionally record the finish to that statement. Mm -hmm. I am. Like, who are you? And I say, um, you know, make it as elementary or rudimentary as you can and say, I'm a woman. You know, I'm a smart woman. I am um, a smart black woman. I am wherever you need to go. Mm -hmm. It's about realizing your strengths and your power. Once they start doing that, I have um, them actually document as part of that exercise all of their accomplishments Nice. So I learned to walk. I learned to talk. I, le- you know, make it as simple as you can. But then what you find is, wow, I have some gifts that I haven't tapped into. Mm-hmm. And understand that whenever you're looking at yourself and whenever you're feeling questionable about who you are, you have just got to tap into those reminders. Mm-hmm. You've got to look under the covers and see those things that maybe you forgot were there. Mm-hmm. Because therein lies your strength and your power to become more of who you are destined to be. When I say I was knocked down and I've gotten back up several times, we have another kindred association, Stacy. I was suffer. I was diagnosed. I don't like to use the word suffer. I was diagnosed in um, my twenties with major depressive disorder.
2: Mm-hmm. So I've
0: lived out my life combating depression, mm-hmm. and I'm talking. I don't need medication. You know, that's what I told myself to going, okay, I definitely need medication. Mm. I need medication consistently and over time. And then getting stuck with some, some childhood stuff and some sibling stuff, that's been a battle for me my whole life. Mm -hmm. Let me just be real, real clear. Mm -hmm. And so when I've been knocked down because of that battle being too great for me at that time, and I needed a bump in my meds or I needed to shore up my support system, what I discovered was the more I looked at who I am and how freaking amazing I am, the more it encouraged me and challenged me and equipped me to get up and keep going.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Wendy, why I absolutely love that and and thank you for sharing that i believe i i believe wholeheartedly that transparency is is the biggest step an individual can take into owning themselves and Mm -hmm. stepping into their success so so thank you for sharing um that how does how does that impact you today well um you mean in
0: terms of the depression or the resilience yes both both yes (laughs) okay so in terms of the depression what I learned about major depressive disorder that's the the diagnosis that the mental health community gives you yep. when they they know that your depression isn't caused by some substance abuse some tragedy some trauma some of that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. they know that there's a, a a chemical in your brain that's not playing exactly the way that it's supposed to and so they know it requires a chemical cocktail as I like to call it mm-hmm. and the cocktail is different for everyone and what i realized and believe it or not it took me a while to get to that point but in 2009 Um, I changed doctors, psychiatrists, and the new psychiatrist said, oh, this medicine that you've been on for years, while it's been working for you, there's a tendency for it to cause heart problems over time. So what I want to do is I want to change your medication. And it wasn't until that was 2009. And I started bouncing
2: right mm-hmm. I was trying
0: to find the right medication and um it wasn't until 2015 believe it or not that i came to understand what had happened in the past was that i was bouncing and because i was bouncing i was Some days I was able to to function and some days I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I had no management of that because the medication wasn't working. And so the chemicals in my brain were not playing well together. And once I got on the right medication in 2015, I fired the other psychiatrist. I say that, but I just stopped going to her and I found another psychiatrist. And that psychiatrist looked at everything that I'd taken over the 20-something years, 30-something years that I've been dealing with depression. And she said, let's try this old generation antidepressant. And I started to soar. I mean, like, and the soar in me was consistent. It wasn't like this. It totally was. Every day, all day long, I was productive. I was constructive. I was nice. you know, doing well. I was helping and serving my clients really, really well. And it just made such a difference in my business. That's when I rebranded and relaunched. I reinvented myself in around the sales and marketing and being a business and sales coach. I had done it for seven years before that, but I actually reinvented myself and stopped calling myself the moniker group coaching diva, and I started calling myself the income acceleration mentor, and that's what made a difference for me, and how it affects me today, I take naps. If I need to take naps, I take naps. I have such control Control is not the right word. I have such ability to manage what's happening in my life, in my world, mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm empowered in everything that I do. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's affected me.
2: I you know? love that. I, so, so the bottom line is, is you've learned to really honor yourself. And you've also learned and gotten very clear that when the voice in your head tells you something isn't right, you continue to pursue until you find the rightness. Yeah. And in 2016,
0: when I actually, you know, rebranded and came back to the marketplace, because I literally was out of my business for about 15, 18 months, Mm -hmm. getting through that whole scenario of medication and trying to get together. And let me paint a picture, too. I had side effects that were horrendous from all of the different medications we tried. Mm -hmm. I had mouth sores. I had facial tics. I had facial paralysis. I had where I was sleeping too much. I was sleeping too little. I had all of that and it was not fun or kind. And for me looking at the, the chemical cocktail was integral to my well-being and I learned it then that I needed to do. But when I came back to the marketplace in 2016 and rebranded and relaunched as Business Beyond Limits, what I discovered was that I was ready to tell people about my depression. I had hidden it. I had always, you know, when I was having difficulty on a particular day or at a p- particular time, I would say, oh, my sinuses are acting up or my allergies or, you know, I would give an excuse. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm transparent about what was really going on. And there was um, a presentation that was done for this speakers association that I'm a part of, or was a part of at that time. And the guest that they were going to have and and speak to us, they promoted her as someone who had this deep, dark secret. And once she revealed her secret, she built a speaking empire. And I thought, wonder what her secret is, you know? And when I got there, her secret was that in her 20s, she had contracted um, herpes. Mm. And in contracting herpes, it was there was the same kind of shame and, and, you know, uh, vulnerability and, and you just didn't want to share it with people because of what they would think of you and how you would respond to things. And years before that, I had actually shared the depression with someone again, in that coaching organization I mentioned earlier, that we were working on a project together. And I had a day where I just didn't feel well. So I was in the bed and I postponed our meeting. And so when we met again, I was like, if we're going to be working closely, let me just let you know what's really going on. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, I, I have, um, depression. I didn't call it major depressive disorder back then. I said, I have depression. And he said, Oh, Wendy, why? I'm so sorry. Wow. I'm just, I'm so sorry. I mean, he just went on and on. And I thought, what did I tell him? The reason (laughs) into this in this way Mm -hmm. that made me fearful of sharing it with anybody else for a long time. So this speaker who had herpes, talked about that adventure of disclosing her secret and there being people almost at every presentation she delivered that would come up to her and say thank you you helped me i have it i know someone who has it they were she was the the advocate that they were looking for publicly Mm -hmm. to support them through her message and so i asked the question um when they opened it up for questions i asked her i said when did you know it was time to share your secret And I'll never forget what she said. She said, when your desire to heal is greater than your fear, then you'll begin to share it. That stuck with me and I share it anywhere, every day, all day to everyone because of what it does for me in terms of healing. Just like her, when I started sharing it, people would come out, come up to me after my presentations or they would say things to me um, if it was a one-on-one, like, "Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being transparent." My mom has this. My brother has this. Mm-hmm. I've lived with it for X number of years, and like she had come a, become an advocate around herpes, I've become an advocate around depression.
2: Love and it.
0: It's a powerful place and responsibility to have.
2: I love that. You know, I I, I believe that 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 the big message here is it it really doesn't matter what obstacle one faces it's only an obstacle if you choose to define it that way yes choice is
0: such a powerful thing i think so many people don't value trust because they don't under choice because they don't understand choice yeah choice isn't about, uh, choice is about boundaries. Mm -hmm. Choice is about intention. Choice is about a willingness to stand in the the power you have to manage things in your life. That's why Mm -hmm. I say mindset is everything. Because I know when I start slipping, and when I say slipping, I know I'm sleeping too long, or Mm -hmm. I felt like being in the bed, and I'm not sleeping. I kind of ask myself, okay, what's really going on with you? Mm -hmm. Recently, you asked me how this affects my life today. Recently, I was in a situation where I was supporting a client and something the client did triggered me Mm
2: -hmm. to feel
0: like I wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And I don't blame her for it. I'm grateful that it happened because I was able to recognize what was going on. I kept checking in and saying, what are you feeling about this? And how are you thinking about that? And Mm -hmm. what is this doing to you? And in the process of that, I found myself um, not wanting to get out of the bed. Mm -hmm. And when I say not wanting to get out of the bed, I mean, I was awake, I would do little things in in my business, I would, you know, meet some of the the responsibilities I had, but I kept kind of going back to the bed and watching TV or talking on my phone, I kept kind of going back to the bed, you know, and I was like, okay, something's happening with you. What's really mm-hmm. going on? So when I started to look at that in my therapy, and I started to look at that in my coaching, and I have one of each, mm-hmm. I actually have three coaches, but I have, you know, a therapist, my support team is, is deep and strong. Let me mm-hmm. just say that. Mm-hmm. When I started asking myself those questions, it came up that it was a trigger to something that had happened to me in my childhood. Mm -hmm. And so I started talking with my support team about those things. And I realized through that conversation, through every conversation when I find myself wondering if I'm in a a bout with depression, what I realize is that I do get to choose how I address it. I like to say I process. So I process it with my therapist. I process it with my coaches. Mm -hmm. And then the process of doing all of that processing, I'm actually choosing to move from that space Mm -hmm. of of being in the bed or that mindset of feeling like I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. I choose to do that. And there's work to be done. And I'm always willing to do it.
2: I love that. You know, we, we, we share so many similarities. So uh, my, what, one of the quotes I say on stage all the time that uh, that that's one that's just kind of evolved over my career is choice is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Suffering is always optional. Yes. And, yes. Um, and, and for me, we, we we speak the same language. I, I'm a huge proponent and advocate of surrounding yourself with a phenomenal uh, success team, support team. I, I personally have seven coaches because I want to make sure that every blind spot that exists gets exposed so that I can show up the best version of myself. I love it. I love uh, it.
0: And I uh, love your, your um, reframe of it. Instead of saying support team, I think I'm going to start saying su- a success team. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah.
2: You know, the, the, the way we step into success is to own it and surround ourselves with it. So I'm really curious since we're talking about success, what is success to you and for you? Success to me is being able to have choices and
0: options. And that's not financial, that's a part of it. It's also emotional success. So that, you know, I have really take really good care of myself and the people that I care about. It means. You know, um, having really great success and and choosing to be in a space and place in my my business where I honor my boundaries and I serve my clients really well. You know, success has such a big definition for me, but mm-hmm. but that gives you an idea.
2: Yeah. Having yeah.
0: options, having choices, having freedom, that's success for
2: me. For me, it's showing up every day, being the best version of myself. For me, it is thriving in life, in business, in spirituality, in my personal relationships, in my love life, in my finances. It's being the best parent I can be. It's just thriving in every area of life, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, and personally. That way, that way. I can help others help themselves so that they can help others. I like to impact impact makers is basically what it is. I love it. Yeah, I think it's amazing. So, so you know, you and I met through networking. And, yes. and the way we did that is someone that you networked with connected us. So I'm really curious, uh, what is networking to you? I think you said it. It's, it's about connecting.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, this whole pandemic has, has forced people indoors to do things virtually. It hasn't changed a whole lot for me because virtually I've done so much connecting across the world. Mm. Right. And I did that before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So getting on the phone, getting on zoom, meeting people, chatting with people, you know, inboxing, whatever it takes, but I've always done it. The pandemic really supported me in doing more of it and connecting with people that are like me, connecting with people who are different than I am, getting to know people, you know, connecting with clients more, checking in with past clients. Networking has such a big definition for me because it all boils down to connection. Connection Mm -hmm. is, is more than just linking people, you know, people linking connection is also about caring, compassion, um true love and intention. It's it's about being in a space where you care about the person with whom you're connecting and it goes beyond just a chat or goes beyond just a conversation. It really is about um thinking of them and getting to know them in a way that is deeper than everybody else. You know, is expressing a true intention and interest in getting to know them and understanding what's happening. That's how you establish really great relationships too. By the way,
2: I agree personally and professionally, mm-hmm. and I, I I believe in my heart of hearts that success comes from treating your business relationships like your personal ones, mm-hmm. and treating your personal relationships like your business ones. Mm-hmm. Because reality is, there's this huge human element in business, in sales, in success that people miss. And it all starts with themselves. If you can't have a relationship with yourself, how can you ever have a relationship with someone else? Yeah, without question. Without question. I totally agree. So, so you and I have had in the past a very strong corporate background. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to kind of future tell. And, and, and I know this is a little bit of a projection. I, I believe that we're going to see a very, very dynamic shift, one very similar to what we saw in 2001 after 9-11. Mm-hmm. I think corporate America has found that they can do the same and or more with less, uh, less resources, less yeah. brick and mortar, less uh, human resources, and potentially putting less resources out, also known as money. And I think that this pandemic has has taught businesses to show up very lean. So I think what's going to happen is, yes, we've had this mass layoff. I think people are going to start waking up realizing Uh, unemployment's running out, my furlough's running out, I may not have a job or I don't have a job. And we're going to see this immersion of reluctant entrepreneurism, or this emergence of entrepreneurism and small business owners innovatively. So Mm -hmm. what advice can you give to people who are waking up and never doing this before, who are realizing the only way I'm going to change things is if I change them?
0: Yeah, great question. I think we're already in that future tell that you just shared. And what I think people have to in that space have to understand is that, first of all, you're safe, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And then you have to start where you are. Start where you are, as in looking at it almost feels like people are in that same space that I was in in 2001. Mm-hmm. So inventory your gifts and talents, yep. right? Start where you are by doing that. Look at what you're amazing at. Look at what, you, what your dreams deferred have been. And maybe this is an opportunity for you to have the dream that you once deferred. Mm -hmm. Start with where you are and build from there. Don't go out and spend a whole lot of money and make a whole lot of decisions yet until you have examined where you are and how you can begin. The best way to do that is with a coach. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And, And I believe in coaching. I told you I have three coaches in the therapy. It's because I believe in that kind of success system to help me process the way that I do. So I ca- challenge and encourage people who are in that space to, to be just as curious, mm-hmm. to work with someone, to find out what it is that, you know, rocks your boat so that you can begin to build on that. Mm-hmm. It may not lead to being an entrepreneur, but it may lead to opening the doors and doing other things. You may become a writer. And before you know it, you're publishing several books mm-hmm. You may become a, um, a coach yourself. And before that you've gotten your coach training, you know, and, and then, you know, you're hanging out your shingle. So it start with where you are.
2: I and love it. You know, it's funny right after nine 11, right after I was laid off, I, uh, I I started going out seeking employment and, was told in interviews, I, I can't hire you because you'll replace okay. me and my boss. Yeah. 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 They were all, you know, it was, it was, it became glaringly obvious that I was certifiably unemployable. So I went home thinking, you know, I really don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm in my, I think at that time I was my uh, early, early thirties, mid thirties, give or take. And I started uh, making a list of everything that I was good at. Mm -hmm. and then I started making a list. Yeah, I started making a list of everything I could do based on what I was good at. Then I started making, I started crossing out things because I had to identify what it was I was willing to do because, you know, standing on a street corner wasn't going to work for me. Right. (laughs) So when it was all said and done, I had this list of 10 things, and I started identifying what what out of this list fills the greatest existing needs? Mm-hmm. And that's how I emerged to be a, a business owner and an entrepreneur. And, and I got to tell you, it wasn't easy. No. And it's the best thing I ever did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's the second best thing I've ever
0: done. The first What's the best my thing? 30-year-old son. Oh, I, I did that. He's amazing. He is kind and compassionate. He is um, really in, um, intentional. And just, I, I just love the man that he is. And every time he, he says something, we're very close as well. Mm-hmm. And every time he says something, I go in my mind, I did that. I did that. I did that. <laughs> And he met his dad when he was like 11 or 12, Mm. and in his, you know, I say 11 or 12, it was like 10 or 11. In his 10 or 11-year-old wisdom, his question was, why now? Mm. Yeah, that's what he asked his dad, why now?
2: I and today
0: it. they have, you know, bonded and mended the relationship, and and they're not close like we are. But mm-hmm. but his dad likes to say, "Oh, well, you know, that's my boy, that's my seed." And he's like, "No, my mom did this. I'm the man I am because my mom did this."
2: No, oh, that's but
0: awesome. I totally adore the accomplishment he is for me.
2: I absolutely love that. We have a 32 uh, year old daughter, who is a nurse, and we have a 20 year old daughter who is studying uh, entrepreneurism. And she's working Mm. on her uh, bachelor's degree uh, to become an entrepreneur. Very nice. uh, Apple doesn't
0: fall too far from the tree, huh?
2: No, it doesn't. She is our, uh, she's our legacy. We hope that she takes over our business one day. And once again, hope is not a strategy. If she chooses, this is not for her then we'll do something else with the business our 32 uh, year old uh daughter has blessed us with a what is he he's uh he'll be nine. Oh. no he just turned nine holy moly a nine-year-old grandson and i have to tell you i i've never been around little boys because you know we both we we, yeah. we have girls yeah and they're just different creatures they totally are <laughs> to
0: tell you see I feel the same way you do about girls Mm. I would not know how to deal with girls I've always dealt with boys you know what I mean my son my sister has a son I have a nephew and I have nieces too but the nieces and I don't have the relationships
2: Mm. that
0: my nephews and I do you know that's awesome different with boys than it is
2: with girls or vice versa So, so give us your number one sales tip. I think one of the biggest things besides mindset that gets in people's way, you know, because we, 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 we both share a belief in order for the outer to work, you must do the inner work. Mm -hmm. So once, once the inner work is done, it seems like one of the obstacles that gets in the way is that, is that word sales and you know that the whole foundation of this podcast is selling without selling. And, and for me, no matter what you do, sales is still part of the equation of being a business owner, entrepreneur, sales professional. So what's your number one sales tip for people?
0: Well, it has two parts really Um, rapport, Mm. connection, Mm -hmm. Relationship. Mm-hmm. So that's three parts. Those are the secrets to selling well: yep. rapport, connection, and relationships. I love it. I'm going to take the S off of relationship. Relationship. Yeah. You've got to be in a space where you care about what happens to that client you're serving. Yeah. That's how you build rapport. That's how you create trust. That's how you make a connection. It's not about um, a transaction. I call it transformational selling. It it. truly is about the relationship and what you're creating with the person. My son, as I said before, is um, the apple of my eye. I'm super Mm -hmm. proud of him. And he works at a a CBD store. He's a manager over two different locations. And he actually works one of them by himself for uh, six days a week. Mm. And the process of doing that there are lots of lulls in time. So there have been times when I've gone and I've sat and just talked to him over a period of time. Then someone would come in and he would wait on them. And what I discovered is that he has his own way of selling, right? He The first question he asks everyone is, what brought you in today? Mm-hmm. He cares about their response because then mentally he can match whatever the product is that they yep. need. So yeah. what they, they came in for on that particular day, I've watched him so many times and he's masterful. So yes. when I talk about rapport and connection and relationship, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Now, there are other people that he's described to me that work in the same organization who will push a product without wondering or even caring how it's going to help the, the person buying it. Hmm. That's transactional. But transformational selling with rapport and connection and focused on relationship is all about understanding the needs so that you can match what you offer to those needs. It doesn't matter how much it costs. It really is about what you're doing to serve the client.
2: Love it. Absolutely love it. So that leads me to the signature question of our show. And that is, what is selling without selling for you? Selling without selling kind of goes back to what I just said.
0: Mm -hmm. It's being in relationship, making sure you make a connection and maintaining the rapport with your clients, Mm. potential clients. I don't call them prospects. I call them potential clients Mm -hmm. because for me, it seems more reasonable than prospect. You're not Mm -hmm. prospecting. Mm -hmm. You are looking and having a conversation with a potential client. Mm -hmm. That's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So selling without selling is about... Building trust in the relationship. It's about making sure you're you're in a space of service. It's also making sure. I you know I'm, I want to stop for a second and say this. I'm a movie buff and there's an old black and white movie that they colorized called Miracle on 34th street. Love Remember it. Yep. Yeah. Mine, mm-hmm. too. mine too. One of mine too. And the Santa Claus character in the movie actually works at Macy's and Gimbel's is still around at that point. Well, Macy's isn't around much anymore either, but anyway, he works at Macy's and when he can't provide a, a connection or point people in the direction of what they're asking for as toys that are at Macy's, he starts referring people to him. And the, the people who own Macy's first are outraged and then they're like, Oh, we really need to do this. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure that we serve them by letting them know that there are other companies that have it and we can point them to it. That's a service. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about being a servant leader, in your um, sales conversations, in what you do in selling, it's about understanding. You may not be the answer your client or customer is seeking, but you can be a servant and actually offer them the the access or referral to somebody who is going to help them and support them and serve them. It's
2: about service. Yeah. So don't. Yeah. That's how I see selling. Yeah. So, so I have to tell you, I absolutely love that analogy. And in order for, for you to be able to do that, you have to have the mindset of Mm self-assuredness, remove all scarcity from your DNA, Mm -hmm. because it's about trusting yourself to trust others, trusting yourself to know I am not the best solution for this situation. And by connecting that person to the best solution, it's going to open me up to be even better for the next person. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and a quick story, my very first experience in sales was inside sales. And I, I was in a bullpen, and wow. it, yeah, it was crazy. So we, yeah. had, we had 20 uh, inside salespeople in the office and we, we weren't telemarketers. Uh, we, our, our responsibility was to build relationships internally with the buyers. And then there were outside salespeople who built relationships with the decision makers and with the engineers. And so I, I have this relationship with this buyer and she was trying to buy an allocated part. And she had been calling all the distributors looking for it. And what allocation in our industry meant was the materials were scarce. They couldn't get them. So the lead times that used to be six or eight weeks were becoming 20 weeks, 30 weeks. And,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: th- there was like none in the world to get yeah. your hands on. So this buyer called me, their lines were down, their production was down, and she needed this part. And I told her, you know, I can get this to you in 22 weeks, I believe the lead time was at that time. And she goes, "Stay." she goes, your competitor's telling me they can get it in 12. And I said, let me explain to you the game that's going on, because I know this part very well. Mm-hmm. And I said, what, what, what the competitor is telling you is they can get it in 12 weeks so that they can secure your order. 12 weeks later, they missed the delivery and they explained to you it's on allocation. They can get it in a couple months. You still have 20 weeks with everybody else by that point. So they got the order and they were unintegrous about it. Well, what I did find was I did find one of my competitors who had a shipment coming in. And I called a friend of mine that was over there. And I said, I need to know, do you have any of these available? And she goes, we're not supposed to tell anybody, but yes. So I said, all right, I'm going to connect one of my largest clients with you, please take care of her. So I hopped back on the phone with my client and I said, look, this inside salesperson's waiting for you to call. They have this many parts coming and this is what she paid. Don't let her screw you on the price. So my supervisor got out of her cubicle grabbed me by my arm and dragged me into the office and ripped me like I had never been ripped wow. for giving business to my competitor, my largest customer, who, by the way, had already spent millions with me a year. Sure. So I got written up. I got put on probation. A month later, the buyer came to the office. They never do this. They came to the office, took me out to lunch, handed me their annual package and said you're gonna get a fax by accident with my contract from last year with all my pricing on it if you need it you will get my business wow so so I sat down and this took this took this company from a three million dollar company for me to a 25 million dollar company for me
0: Yeah. Needless to say,
2: I replaced my supervisor. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I was going to say so much for him reaming you out or her reaming you out.
2: So it is, it's truly about having the belief in self, the belief in relationship, uh, avoid coming from a space of scarcity so Mm -hmm. that you can really show up as the servant leader that your prospective client deserves, period. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Any kind of sales effort
0: has to be founded in trust and truth. You know, it can't be about deception. It can't be about um, you as the salesperson being concerned about the outcome or the result. Mm-hmm. You've got to stay present to what is. And what is present is truth and
2: service and honorable. Amen. And that's what's really important. You're so right. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, this is my second favorite part of our show. And this okay. is called The Random Round. And see, I have a belief that success leaves clues. So, I like to ask a question to successful people so that they can share their answer and whatever works for the listeners, they extract. Sounds so, good. I'm really curious, Wendy, why, what is your favorite word and why? Hmm. You know, I know you, you shared these
0: questions before, but I'm like, did you send that one? I remember you sending that one, Miss Stacy. So my favorite word has to be connection. Mm. Yeah, connection. Con- I'm very outgoing and gregarious. I don't know that you can tell in this interview, but I am. Mm-hmm. And so connecting with people is so important to me. That's why I said earlier, during this pandemic, there are people who don't know what to do. I've been doing it already. Connection yep. is a big part of,
2: of who I am. It's definitely one of my highest values, connection. I love it, I love it. Okay, so another question in a random round. If you could sit on a park bench and have an hour conversation with anybody, past, present, or future, who would that be and why? Mm.
0: Uh, the first person that came to mind for me was my, is my grandmother, mm. my mom's mom. And she was sort of quiet and she would say things every so often. And as a child growing up, I thought it was odd. I didn't really appreciate what that was. Mm-hmm. But I would love to be able to sit and talk with her today and and learn some of the wisdom that that she experienced. She grew up in an era where it was, um, you got an indictment if if you were a, had a child out of wedlock. And she had my mom out of wedlock due to some some tragedy that ex- she experienced. And I think that taught her so much about people and about life. And my mom, who's 89 years old today, will say things every so often. And she'll say, oh, like my mom used to say, blah, blah, blah. And so what I've come to understand is the that the thing that I thought was odd growing up that I, as an adult, started to pay attention to, that now that she's no longer with us, my mom is sort of replicating what she learned. And so there's a lot of wisdom there that I didn't tap into.
2: So my grandmother. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Wendy Y., it's been phenomenal talking with you today. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, What's the best way for our listeners to connect with you if they'd like to?
0: Well, I'm Wendy Y. Bailey, make sure you say that second Y and spell it with that second Y. I'm Wendy Y. Bailey on all of my social media platforms. They can also visit me at morecoachingclients.com. That's my sales and marketing academy. And that same philosophy that you've heard here and seen here throughout our interview, I really have poured into the content and the resources that are available at
2: More Coaching Clients Sales and Marketing Academy. That's phenomenal. Thank you. Your success is important to me and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do three things right now. First, hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, hop now over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's hop over to Facebook, join our Sell Without Selling community, both those platforms, we have a lot of interaction. I jump into Sell Without Selling community on Facebook every day and interact with, with the, uh, the, the listeners there. And then last, definitely not least, I would love to chat with you. Get feedback on the episodes and find out any topics that you're interested to help make this more powerful and helpful to you, achieving the success that you've always dreamed of, desired, and you know without a shadow of a doubt you deserve head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to stacy That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to stacy Let's get a 15 to 20 minute call on the schedule and see how we can be of service. Always remember this, choice is a powerful thing. Suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you soon.